You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. The C Word with Callista. Welcome to another episode of The C Word, chatting to all your favorite online content creators about basically everything under the sun. And you might think that today's guest, um, he's a single, right? He's not like a content creator, but that's where the lines blur out. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So James Lee, hi. Hello, long time no see, Callista. It has been over a year, and in that year, all we've done is stay at home. Well, I, actually, I've been flying everywhere. Um, <laughs> Lucky <and> you. <laughs> no, I'm very blessed to, to have this opportunity to travel so much, but I haven't been able to play any live shows, mm-hmm. which has been kind of weighing on my shoulders, but I definitely taking advantage of the time stuck at home to mm-hmm. create content. Basically, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, well, just a little backstory. I actually met James when he was in KL in Malaysia for like a little showcase for your EP, The Light. You know what? Maybe we should start from the beginning because I know that you started out in K-pop or should I say like a K-rock band called Royal Pirates and you've had an incredible journey since then. But for those who don't know, maybe you could give us a summarized version of the story I know you've told many, many times. Well, I was, I started off in a metal band actually in LA and then I joined a uh, rock band with two Korean guys and they they did K-pop rock covers on YouTube and then they kind of went viral. They were on Britney Spears' homepage for a little while when Britney Spears was still popping. And then we got invited to join a company in Korea to try to promote there. And that's really when K-pop was in its maybe second or third reiteration. I think Girls' Generation was really really hot at that time a big bang still mm-hmm. at the top well, super junior yeah, super junior was was already really big cm blue was big so i joined around that time and we were promoting on tv shows uh, with a lot of those k-pop artists but then in 2015 my left hand was severed in a freak accident i was walking into a restaurant and it was the frame of the door collapsed and i woke up it was a wreck so i was rushed to the hospital and we did a comeback after that it felt a little rushed um, and i wasn't really ready to do that but i just kind of went with the flow and then i took a break in 2000 16 and I stepped away from all that went back to LA and then once I got to LA I decided to try something called a Kickstarter which is like a crowdfunded platform for content creators or just creatives and I I had some songs written during my rehab and Mm -hmm. my target was like I forget the exact amount but we tripled the amount and we raised my beautiful wonderful amazing fans (laughs) are three times the target and so we were able to do way more uh, than just create one music video, which was the initial goal. And I released an EP called The Light. Yes, shout out to Universal Music Malaysia for bringing me to Malaysia and bringing me to KLNKK. And hooking you up with uh, the studio. And then I hosted your showcase, right. Right, which, right, right, right. Was, which was pretty cool. But that's where my questions come in. So Universal Music brought you down, but you right. are already, you created the EP from a Kickstarter. So how does that work? Was the label just distributor or? Yeah, so Universal is, they're so amazing to me. I don't know if you know the individuals there, mm-hmm. um, but so they signed, Universal Korea signed Royal Pirates uh, back in the day. And then after my accident, uh, I kind of separated from everything. Universal Malaysia reached out to me. A bunch of major labels actually reached out to me wanting to distribute or license. And I was kind of scared of all that stuff because I just got into the world of independent artistry. 
You know, mm-hmm. I had no idea how to do any of that. I feel like doing the Kickstarter project was basically getting my master's degree and learning how to, you know, survive in the industry. They offered me a distribution deal and that seemed like the safest option at that point. So after consulting like a ton of like lawyers and a lot of industry friends, I decided that might be something fun. And I think they did a great job at promoting it. Um, it the album hit number one in the Philippines and it hit number two in Singapore. Did pretty well in Malaysia as well. But obviously, it was targeted mostly towards Southeast Asia mm-hmm. um, because Universal Malaysia is in Southeast Asia, right? So um, I think they killed it. They smashed it. They did a great job. And I hope one day maybe we could try something again. I have a ton of projects coming up, so I'm sure there'll be something. Yeah, I've been on, like, on your Instagram. You've been writing like crazy. Well, I also <laughs> produce music for other artists as well. I've been blessed to work with some of the best artists ever in Asia, but I still need to be creating my own content mm-hmm. uh, or I get kind of I get kind of weird I get kind of depressed and so I I realize I always have to keep putting out content um for my own sake Mm -hmm. but I feel like you've like you've had such like a switch so many so many different changes like when you were in Royal Pirates you were the bassist right but now you are a singer instead like did you sing when you were in Royal Pirates or backup vocals and actually in the band, I always found myself, because I was the bassist in the band, your job is to support, right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm I'm a fan of Moon. If you guys don't know who Moon is, Moon is my the singer of my old band. And he has tons of placements now. He's written tracks for God7, Eyes1, and like a lot of big hip-hop artists and groups. So he has that talent. It's within him. And so I just love to see him shine and be part of a group where I could hear the music always sounded as great as better than what I'd hoped. Right. But doing things on my own, it's kind of, I get to share my voice. I get to share my story. And I had a lot to say after my accident. So yeah, that was the change. Now that you re-mentioned your accident, like that was a, a huge thing to happen. Like, how did you, how did you get through that and still I mean, come out? doing the same well not the same but still do music i don't really know <laughs> i just kind of powered through i guess but there is definitely uh, it was a rocky road i kind of lost my identity after the accident because i i wrapped myself so much in my work i was practicing eight to ten hours a day i just wanted to be the best basis i could be it was the thing i was most confident at you know i i was really lucky that i had a support system like my my friends my family and my fans i think when it came down to it it was just realizing that if I didn't do music, I just kind of felt lost. Mm-hmm. And it gave me kind of direction. It gave me like setting these goals. Like the goals weren't sell 100,000 albums. The goal mm-hmm. was finish this song. I just wanted to express myself in some way because I felt like I had this blanket, this this cloud over me. So continuously using that as my goal and mm-hmm. re- hitting the target each time, uh, that gave me some sense of relief. I think. And so it just kind of happened naturally in terms of creating my own music, that is. But in terms of writing music for other artists, I just happened to have a friend in China that invited me to arrange a track for a very popular artist who I I didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, His name's Jason Zhang. And he's like a he's like a stadium artist. He does. Yeah, he does like 50,000 people. Like, wow, he's massive here. It's just it's interesting. A lot of people don't know artists that are domestic China in China, outside of China. It's a different world and it's a huge market. So Yeah, I think we always compare that here. Like it's like if for the Chinese uh, market, if you make it in China, you don't need to be internationally famous because the the population in China is so big that 
you know, you'd have as many fans as someone who is an international artist. And it's the same, I think we always say with Indonesia, like you don't need to be big anywhere else because Indonesia is such a huge market. I see. Right. Well, I know it's kind of like that everywhere. Like you just, it's easy to just kind of get locked into your own space and kind of mm. not know what else is out there. That happens when like I meet a lot of people that don't travel often Yeah. and they're just kind of, they're not aware of the other possibilities but it's vice versa like before i came here i wasn't able to see how much talent there was i'm producing a couple tracks for an artist and i think she is the best singer i've ever met she's a 19 year old kid you yeah. gotta give us a name <laughs> there's just so much talent and i'm super excited to see how far they go that's actually something i want to ask you as well so with royal pirates all your songs were in korean and then with your ep it was in english why did you decide to switch to english and now that you're in china would you ever attempt to put out a Chinese song of your own? Yes, I would. There's a couple things. So when I moved to Korea, actually, I didn't know how to speak Korean. Okay. I was I was like the foreign guy, even though I look Korean. <laughs> and um, when I moved to Korea, I eventually learned how to speak Korean and realized how beautiful the lyrics are and how mm-hmm. touching they can be because the words, it carries culture. It carries different meaning and different experience. And it's the same thing with Chinese lyrics. Like I'm mm-hmm to a lot of Chinese music recently and being able to understand the different forms of expression and the different types of expression in in the way the melodies are sung, it kind of hits you different. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's the same in like Malay, right? Mm -hmm. The way that certain expressions, I'm sure that it's just not the same in English. Yeah. Right. But only if you, the only way you can feel that song is if you understand Malay. I was blind to that before. Yeah. So my Patreon, right? right now and for the past for 2020 it's been the thing sustaining me uh, not just financially but mentally it's really helped me keep it together and i think the way that i got out of my kind of identity crisis from the accident was having these goals right to reach mm-hmm. and having the patreon gives me these goals and this these targets and promises these obligations that i've committed to and so i don't want to let people down so that it's given me a sense of direction. What's the percentage of fans that uh, are part of your Patreon that were your fans when you were in Royal Pirates? I would say I, you know what, I have such a great moderating team and they, they put out a survey for me. I forget the exact numbers, but I think it's somewhere from around 50% to 75%. That's a big range. So they've stuck but, with you from before yeah. till now. I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed that I have... We call ourselves the Wolf Gang because of my mm-hmm. my dog, um, but I think they know how much I love my dog. But but I feel like that's a testament to 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 you though, because you are so engaged online. Like you 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 actually care about your fans. You reply to all your DMs. You are always in the comments. You're you know what I mean. Like it's not just following a celebrity. It's like you allow your fans to become closer to you. And you, in return, care about them. Right. To be honest, it's kind of impossible to reply to all the DMs mm-hmm. and like reply to all the comments. But I do take time to like there will be when I have a release or something coming up, I'll make sure to commit a certain amount of time to okay, respond to some DMs, respond to some comments, and um, because there's there's like hundreds that come in, and it's not yeah, of course. it's not really like feasible to like do every single one mm-hmm. but i try to do my best because i mean it's it's a different market now right mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's changing even faster 
So mm-hmm. it's important to stay engaged. And for the people that stuck with me the whole time, how much more grateful should I be? You know, it's it's like I appreciate them so much. So I owe them that. You know, that that's how I feel. What well, if if um, social media wasn't what it was? Do you think you would have still attempted to go with like Patreon or crowdfunding instead of just looking for another label? Honestly, if social media wasn't what it was. I think labels would still be uber powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, labels definitely have a huge pull. They have the relationships with the uh, playlists online. They have the relationships with the media outlets, the gatekeepers of the industry. And social media has kind of disseminated that to people that are able to cultivate their own following, right? So if I didn't have any social media, uh, I think I would not really have a choice. I would have to go to a label because I have my own social media presence and I have somewhat, it's not a massive following, but I have somewhat of a loyal crew, mm-hmm. you know, with me no matter what. And I appreciate them. It's not necessary to beg the labels, right? But but you had offers from the labels. Why did you still decide to want to go? Because it can't be easy doing it by yourself, right? So why did you right. decide to still go the crowdfunding rate way instead of um, just letting a label handle it? To be honest, the labels didn't really come until after they saw the noise that was being generated, the noise online from the crowdfunding, because it got some traction mm-hmm. um, at 300% of the the target. So, you know, it's not like I'm against labels. Actually, I really appreciate it. I'm open. I'm really open to the future. I, I've been doing some music independently as well. Mm-hmm. And that's fun because the difference is I kind of just release whenever. That's how it goes. That's what I wanted so, to ask you. Like, how does crowdfunding actually work? And like, because you're in control of a lot more, but at the same time, you need to figure out different ways to, to to handle the Patreon and stuff, right? Right. So there's definitely more responsibility and you feel like an adult and you feel like you're letting <laughs> a lot of down sometimes. But I just honestly keep myself more organized and I keep a calendar and just promise myself that I'm going to create this content, create this blog, release this exclusive track, mm-hmm. exclusive for the patrons. I do like song breakdowns or why I chose different songs to exclusively release. And the patrons really do get to see a different side of me than most people do. On Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, a lot of people get to see my fully polished music. Boom. They think that's everything. The patrons know it's gritty. It's not a smooth ride. But I think the patrons enjoy seeing 360 degrees. I'm way more vulnerable when you can, when you're a part of the Patreon, you can see that. And it's a little, uh, it's a little risky in terms of there's so much content coming out. There's so much information about me, but it's, I feel like that's kind of the age we're in, you know, we're Mm -hmm. in the age of data and if you don't keep up, what else can you do? Mm -hmm. Right. Forget about you. That's where I'm at. So like Patreon, you choose to put like the behind the scenes stuff. And like, I know you do like exclusive content where you uh, recently you put out like a like a cover song, but you said it's only for Patreons. Yes. How do you how do you decide like how much to keep on Patreon and how much to like because you know like coming out with content every single day especially like for Insta stories it's not easy and right. it would totally make your life easier if you were putting all of this content on like a public profile but how do you choose how to segregate it So I ask them I ask the patrons what they want mm-hmm. and I really take into account their opinion because they are directly supporting me mm-hmm. right so the lowest tier is 2 bucks right which means every month they commit to paying two bucks. If they purchase a song on iTunes or they stream it on Spotify, I'm getting a few cents. They're already giving me more than what I would have gotten. Now, that being said, I'm not 
just in a hurry to rush out and give them just random stuff. I still care about what I'm releasing. That's why it's not 10 songs a month. You know, I, I care and I, I put a lot of time and energy into what I am releasing to them. But I let them kind of decide sometimes. Sometimes I'll say, hey, do you guys want to hear a cover? Do you want to hear original demo? Um, because if I'm going to get a like a final product released, it can cost thousands of dollars to create. And if I just release it just for them, then... I'm not able to collect any of that on the back end. So that's the difficulty. How do you get people to join your Patreon? Like, is it just via Instagram or? Right. For me, it's been, Instagram has been huge. I also have a mailing list, but I, I was struggling through a lot of, I was overwhelmed by work. I mentioned that if I don't write music for myself, I write for other people, then I kind of get depressed. I, I kind of took a break from pushing so hard. That's the hard part. If you don't have a label, you don't have like a management team to help keep you organized, help motivate you, help schedule things. You lose energy because you're focused on organizing things, mm -hmm. right? Creating. So that's the benefit of having a structure to the system. Okay. So Instagram has been like the driving force behind right. like getting your name out there for people to sign up for Patreon and stuff. Right. Because, you know, for Patreon, they don't have their own real discovery network. You need to kind of drive your own fans. So mm. I think a good strategy would be if I'm going on tour, I could have like a sign up list or something. Since we're not able to tour, all I have is social media. So the internet. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Thank God it exists. And it's a curse and it's a blessing. Right? Mm -mm. But like you were saying, to put out a song and put out like a, a like a real quality song, right? It takes a lot of money. And for Patreon, it's only like two bucks a month, five bucks a month. So do you do other crowdfunding still or is Patreon just it? For my personal content, I've I've just been focusing on Patreon because if I'm spreading myself so thin and I'm trying to raise money here, raise money there, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not organized enough to deliver the quality I consider deserving to the people that are contributing. I want to set myself up to succeed. It has to have some soul in it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. Like just because it's social media doesn't mean that people people will be tricked. I think people are becoming more aware that mm -hmm. social media yeah, is not just uh, it's not just what it seems like on the surface. There's a lot of there's a structure and framework and construction going on behind the scenes to to deliver that. But I think with something like music, right, it tells a story. Like if you're gonna tell a story, mm -hmm. there's a lot of energy that you have to put into it. I don't think I would be able to deliver consistently if I was just doing a ton of different platforms. I think like a lot of people, like if you don't use social media the way, I would say I'm half-half, like, yeah, it's it's part of my job, but I do a lot of things for just for fun as well. But it takes so much time and energy and effort to even put out an Insta story because you don't want to just be like, oh yeah, let me take a picture of this. Let me take a video of this. Like there's so much effort that goes into putting out whatever content that you're putting on social media and not everybody understands that. Like an Insta story could take, I don't know, half an hour, an hour of editing and that's just like 15 seconds. <laughs> not for me anymore. Not for me anymore. For me, I just take pictures of my dog because uh, it makes me happy. <laughs> TikTok is the one that opened my eyes because for like a 15, 30 second video, yeah, it's so much easier to edit on TikTok, but um, <laughs> to, to spend that much time editing a video, it's for a 30 second video, it can take you like hours. You know what I mean? And I until you, you do it, you don't realize how much time and effort goes into it. The attention span is crazy. Like what's a trend today could be totally lame in two days. Like everyone could be doing the same thing today. And after that, it's like, ew, we're right, on to the right. next thing, you know? 
right. But the good thing about that is they won't remember <laughs> if it's you're in a lame performance and then they'll just move forward. <laughs> that is true. Speaking of the pandemic, right? So do you think it helped you progress or did it hurt your progress with whatever plans you had with your music? Like, did it help you in a way that because you had so much time, you got to write more music or did it hurt in a way where all your plans are now scrapped and you have to start over? I think music is something that we're lucky we're in an age where we can write and produce and create at home, right? Mm. So I'm very lucky that I'm able to do that and that's my job. So I have the ability to do that to a certain standard, mm. even if it's at home alone. But I think it did limit me and challenge me creatively because, you know, you get inspired by the people you meet, the things you do, places you go, and that changes the color of your music sometimes. You know, that changes the color of the tone of your art. And for me, I was in this room and just dealing with these internal emotions. And I think a lot of people kind of felt that they're stuck at home. And I think that changed the style of the music and it challenged me as a musician Mm -hmm. because I'm unable to go to these session musicians. I have to hire session musicians from far away online and just hope that it'll become okay. Um, So it challenged me. So I don't know if it it hurt me or made me progress, but it it definitely challenged me to try something different. If anyone was like thinking about doing what you're doing, like with crowdfunding and everything, like can anyone join Patreon? Yes. Anybody can create their own. Anybody can join mine, but anybody can really create their own. And the only thing stopping them is I guess, not being organized, not being prepared and being afraid, you know. So what I would recommend is if anybody wants to try something like Patreon or uh, I guess really define why you want to do it and then develop a plan, right, on how you're going to roll it out. But it can't be shallow because I think everybody will know. Like it has to have some soul. It has to have a purpose. It can't just be, I want to be famous, you know, because I think yeah. when I was a kid, I know what that felt like where you don't really know what you want, but it seems like it's shiny and it seems like it would be cool, right? That doesn't mean what you think it means. There's a lot of hard work that goes behind all that. There's a lot of people, there's teams of yeah. people supporting you and fighting against you. So being aware of all that is important, I think. It's part of the process. I'm sure there's kids out there that just want to be famous and will just get famous really quick on TikTok and whatnot. You know, but that's that's how it happened for me. And I, that's kind of my philosophy for the content I create as well. What Was it hard transitioning from like K-pop idol to, to like an independent artist? No, because actually, even though we were doing the K-pop thing, my, my roots were as an independent artist. So it kind of just felt like I was coming back home. When I was doing the K-pop circuit, that was more like a dream. It felt like a dream because uh, everything was so organized and we just did what we were told. And they gave us the opportunity to have our own opinions and add that to whatever flavor we had. And I'm very grateful for that. It also elevated our standards. You know, I was able to work with producers that have sold millions and millions of albums. And now I'm very close friends with some of the best producers in the industry. You learn from that. Surround yourself with people that you want to be like because it's going to rub off on you. So I think it's been working. Okay, like for my last question, which kind of rubs up from that, um, would you ever go back to the K-pop scene? And what is the plan for the future? Like, are you planning to just stay independent the whole time? I know you've got lots of music coming, which is like in all different kinds of genres, but what's the plan? Plan for me is to live every day like it's my last. Uh, My 
accident happened and I had a ton of plans, but after I stopped, you know, they always say I have a five-year plan or something like that. I don't really know what that means. I kind of have a target where I would like to be, but it's not a do or die scenario for me. And I, I don't know, I kind of started taking things less seriously and that's kind of helped me, uh, I think, be happier. Long story short, basically, <laughs> uh, I would love to go and try the K-pop stuff again, but I think I'm too old. And I think I would love to do that behind the scenes, man. I would love to produce, like to be part of a track for them or something, but I can't imagine myself like the music that I'm releasing now is for me and uh-huh. the patrons that I have that I'm lucky enough to have support me, right? That's just a bonus. Everything's just a bonus. But if I was to go back in the K-pop industry, it would be more in a production or writing role. It wouldn't be on stage. I, I can't imagine. I remember y'all tell you a funny story. I was in, um, I think it was Music Bank. I had a beard. I had a, a full beard. And they I were like, that, but okay. <laughs> you look like a year old. And this show is for like 10 year olds. <laughs> and I was, I was so confused. I was like, but, but this is, I've grown a beard since I was, I was like 17 years old. Right. I've, I've, I've always had facial hair. So that was like a turning point for me. I realized, realized I'm just like, this is not for me. Like I, I'm not a, like an idol. You know, um, there's different types of artists. And so I respect idols for what they do, especially now I'm taking dance classes. And I cannot imagine. <laughs> I respect them in a totally brand new, bigger way now after taking dance class, seeing how hard it is. It's insane. But yes, I would love to go back in a production or writing role. Was it, was it, because you, you know, you always see these, um, these videos online, like the grueling process, the journey to become a K-pop idol, and it is intense, but was it like that for you? Because you, obviously, um, you didn't have to do the dancing stuff and everything. Mine was a little different because we were a rock band. We weren't mm. really, we honestly weren't really idols. We're just three guys that love music and we're lucky enough to have that opportunity, you know, but I do know a lot of idols that went through like hell to get where they are. And it seems really rough. Like, and I, I respect them. Like I said, now that I'm doing dance classes, I have, <laughs> I pulled my hamstring and I pulled my back muscle. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. And that's just one aspect of it, right? <laughs> Cause you yeah, got dance okay. classes, you got singing classes, you got grooming classes, you got everything else. I think, I think the dancing one is a big one. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I wish I did this earlier. <laughs> I, it wasn't cramming to learn, but yeah. I went through a phase where I was like, oh, I wish I wish I could like just be like a K-pop idol. Then I was like watching the videos. I was like, you know what? Put aside <laughs> the fact that I cannot sing and I cannot dance. Everything else on this list, I can't do either. So <laughs> let's just forget about that. I still go through a phase where I see Blackpink and I'm like, I wish I could just hang out with them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the, I still go through that. I think it's totally normal to feel like that. It's cool. But I think being an independent artist, like it, it definitely has its own, it, it, it's, it's not like idol, but that doesn't mean it's not equal, right? Like you get to at least being an independent artist, you're in control of what you want to put out. You're in control of who you are as a person. Well, I don't think idols necessarily don't have control over what they put out or what they are like as people. They, they just definitely get a lot of input from people. And it happens when they're very young. So when you're so young and you're not really sure of what direction to go. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone like me, it was really easy to get influenced by my surroundings, right? As an independent artist, you don't have a choice. You have to just put out uh, what you think is right. And luckily for me, um, 
even going with a major label, they let me do that as well. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily equal, but I don't think it's any worse. I think it's just just different. I, I love that part of the industry as well. Yeah, everyone's journey is different, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for, for joining me for this podcast. It's been a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, I hope. I'm glad we had this conversation. And I'm looking forward to seeing it come out as well. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to um, you dropping your EP and hopefully coming back to Malaysia because that was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. All good times, good times. Fingers crossed the borders open again soon because this is dragging on uh, way too long. <laughs> uh, okay, well, just to end this, if you want to follow James and his journey, go and follow him on Instagram at JamesJHL. Anywhere else? And on Patreon, patreon.com slash JamesJHL. Okay, and you can find all the information there. And yeah, hopefully I'll see you again soon. Alrighty. The C Word with Callista.